It is a Thursday edition. Welcome in. I am back in the studio, the Brown O'Haver Studios, on this Thursday. Steelman and Thune at noon getting underway here on the home of Sooner fans, the Ref Radio Network. Uh, I want to thank Tim Lasher and his great company for sponsoring our opening hour here on the program. You need your AC tuned up right now. Now's the time to do it, of course. You need to do it quickly if you haven't done it already. Uh, call Lasher Home Comfort Systems. They're family-owned and operated, been in business in the area now for 15 years, and uh, they do a great job. Give them a call at 405-579-3113. I had been at home the past couple days uh, nursing the dreaded summer cold right before my wife and I go on vacation to the Bahamas next week, and it's still lingering a little bit. I The countdown is on. I have until Saturday morning when we leave. Uh, and hopefully I will have this completely taken care of. But I feel like I'm about 85% over it, and it just won't go away. It just it just keeps pulling me back in. Every time I think I'm over it, it pulls me back in. It's like the Lion in Godfather 3. So very frustrating. So bear with uh, a shaky voice again today. We've got a man with a, a golden voice uh, on the road today. That would be the one, the only Parker Thune. And Parker, tell us where you are and what you're doing. That's right, Mike. So I am live in Crandall, Texas at Crandall High School, which is where four-star linebacker Sammy Omasigo plays his prep ball. Omasigo going to be making his collegiate decision today at 3 p.m. So right about when I get off the air for Locked In with Tyler McComas, once we are done at the uh, the top of the 3 o'clock hour, Sammy Omasigo is going to be choosing between Oklahoma and Florida. Those are the final two for the four-star linebacker out of small-town Texas. Uh, Mike, I made a very critical mistake today. I got up early to drive down here to Crandall, which is about a three-and-a-half-hour drive, and I drank one of those Body Armor Edge sports drinks Uh that has caffeine in it, Mm -hmm. and I don't usually consume caffeine, so... This is, I, I, I can feel the crash coming on. I'm not used to having a caffeine crash because I try to keep it out of my system. But I figure, you know what, got to have some juice for today. And it appears the juice is already wearing off. So hopefully I can stay awake and alert for three more hours of radio here with you today. See, you went the Mike Steely route, and you only need that when you get in your upper 50s. You're fine without it, man. You're moving around. You're young. You don't need that stuff. So, yes, I can see that happening for you today. All right, so Sammy Amasigo, uh looks like Oklahoma, right? You said Oklahoma and Florida. Uh, a lot of people are thinking Oklahoma has the edge. This would be a big uh, recruiting get for, I guess, it's, it's Ted Roof and uh, Brandon Hall, right? Yeah, Ted Roof has been involved in the recruitment. Brandon Hall has been involved in the recruitment as well. Brent Venables, uh, obviously heavy in play uh, on Oklahoma's end as well, just because Omasigo, as a linebacker, is going to be learning plenty under the tutelage of Brent Venables. And so anytime you have a linebacker recruitment, that's one that Venables is going to actively have a hand in. And, yes, the expectation for later today is that Oklahoma is going to be the choice. Obviously, as I mentioned, it's the Sooners or the Gators. Omasigo just took his official visit to Florida last week. He was at Oklahoma the first weekend of this month, the 3rd of June, for the Champion Barbecue And with the proximity to home, with the development at the linebacker position, and with the Sooners' vision for a guy like Omasigo, who is so versatile, so athletic, uh, 
it does seem like Oklahoma is going to ultimately be the pick, but we will find out today at 3 p.m. right here in Crandall. All right, well, Sooner fans are looking for some good news. By the way, on the text line, stop churching it up, Steely. You have COVID, just say it. No, the, no, no COVID. This is, uh, this is just the dreaded summer cold, which is not fun. Uh, based on the times I've had COVID, I'd rather have COVID right now, actually. But uh, here, here's an example, again, of what we're seeing on the text line. Now, this isn't every text, but it is. A, there's a huge chunk of text that are coming in like this on the Air Comfort Solutions text line. 405-651-3439. That's 405-651-3439. OU recruiting is always a bridesmaid. No NIL dollars. Brent Venable's honeymoon is over. There you go. Who said that? Uh, that's from the 405. OU recruiting is always a bridesmaid. No NIL money. Brent Venable's honeymoon is over. Wow. I mean that's the uh, I, that's the quintessential cynic take on the whole ordeal. Um, see, uh, why is it now that people are freaking out? How did we make it through the months of March, April? It's and Arch May? Manning and, and, and nine new commitments for Texas since Arch Manning made his decision, right? I mean that anytime Texas and we we talk about it, you guys we've seen this we've seen this movie before we know the ending to this movie we know the complete story of this movie but it doesn't matter and maybe it's the fact that this is a new coaching staff also you know as much as they like Brent and they like the staff they put together they see this and and maybe that's creating some of the paranoia plus i think the NIL the factor happened. is also uh part of it as well and I understand that. The Sooners had no commits in the month of March. They had no commits in the month of April. To my recollection, they had no commits in the month of May as well. So why here in June, where the Sooners already have four commits this month and may get a fifth today if they're able to lock down Omasigo, why is it now that people are freaking out? I understand Texas is doing big things on the recruiting trail. I understand that keeping up with the Joneses right now means keeping up with the Longhorns for Oklahoma, but you're not going to keep up with the Joneses, and Texas recruiting well is nothing new. It happens every single year, and so for Oklahoma, I don't understand why now is where the freakout is coming, especially on the precipice today of potentially landing an impact guy in Samuel Masigo, a guy that a lot throughout the industry believe is vastly underrated and is going to be a stud at the next level. I don't get it, Mike, but a lot of these folks aren't rational, and a lot of them, quite honestly, aren't built to follow recruiting. Because in recruiting, if you're going to stay up to date with it year-round, you have to be okay with the ebb and the flow. You have to reconcile with the reality that it's not always going to be commitment after commitment after commitment after commitment, and it's not always going to be OU gets every single one of the guys that they're pursuing. They get every single one of the targets at the top of their board. That's not a realistic expectation. And so a lot of these folks are new to following recruiting or they just simply live their lives year-round with an alarmist perspective on Oklahoma recruiting. There is no reason for concern. The month of July will be big, and you would hope that the Sooners are able to lock down another big-time commitment later this afternoon when Omasigo makes his decision. 
Yeah, and let's say we get through July and Oklahoma loses out on some of these guys that we think they're going to get. Then I can see a little bit more. But we warned people that this was going to be happening because of Oklahoma's recruiting approach under Brent Venables. Again, take your visits. We feel like even if you visit us earlier and you take three more, we think we have uh, something you're going to be interested in. You'll end up coming to Oklahoma. We said this would be a marathon, not a sprint for OU. Now, I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, Texas, you know, it's just nothing's happening at all because obviously some good things are happening. The question with Texas always is, can they coach them up? Can they develop a culture? Can they get the chemistry in that locker room, keep the boosters away, and actually go play football with all these big-time recruits? That's always the question. Uh, Here's one from the 949. Texas just got Arch Manning, meaning the Texas-Kansas rivalry should be much more competitive in the years to come. I like that take. Uh, Dripping with sarcasm, and it's very well done. Uh, it's June. Everyone worried about uh, and complaining about recruiting should not be allowed to celebrate the victories and recruiting that are coming in the next few months. Chill. Uh, also, 405, I'm just missing the days of Adrian Peterson and Tommy Harris. Uh, anyone decent that plays Texas high school football travels north down 35 for college something. I can't read the rest of it. For, for college. Okay, that's it. Um, Brent Venables on Twitter. Since you guys can't tell all these irrational doomsday psychos to shut up, can a common sense listener tell them to shut up? You scaredy pants ain't good enough. So there you go. Yeah, I mean... You don't really want to alienate the listeners that much by telling them to, you know, you could trouble me for a warm glass of, but at the same time, we've been talking about this a little bit. Like like I said, there are two sides to this coin. Yes, Texas is on a roll right now. There's no doubt about it. We we knew there would be an Arch Manning factor. Now, I, I don't know if we anticipated there would be nine commits coming on the heels of Arch Manning's uh, decision. Uh, to commit to Texas. But at the same time, we have also talked about Oklahoma's will be coming later down the road. That's the approach. Uh, The Sooners have had a history of, you know, even when they've been out recruited by Texas, of out coaching Texas. And I know this is a new staff, and you can say Brent hasn't coached before, but he's developed some pretty good players during his time at Oklahoma and his time, obviously, at Clemson. Let's go ahead and run that Brent clip right here. Brent on a national podcast the other day talking about his approach on how he will go about building his program. There you go. And I guess when we look at this, and this is what Oklahoma's been able to do uh, in the Texas series, particularly since uh, the Vince Young-Colt McCoy era, and even before that, uh, before Vince Young took over the quarterback spot, Uh, with the Longhorns, Oklahoma. And, you know, when we say this, it sounds like we're talking about, you know, OU just getting a bunch of three stars and, you know, OU has also recruited very well. They may have not recruited quite to Texas's level. But what you're betting on again, Parker, is that Oklahoma's culture will be Texas's culture again down the road. Exactly. And that's what it boils down to is the difference in culture because – Acquiring talent is less than half the battle. Once you have the talent, you have to develop the talent. And talent acquisition, when you look at the way that Texas has recruited over the last decade plus, that's never been the issue. The issue has been, okay, well, once you get the talent in the locker room, now you got to help make them great at the next level. And you got to get them to buy in. 
and you got to create a system that makes their that makes use of their talents to the point where they're able to show all the same promise at the collegiate level they they showed as prepsters at the high school level so i i understand why people are now concerned about what Texas is building with Arch Manning at the quarterback position now committed and the wave of commitments that has come in the aftermath. But how many consecutive off-seasons, Mike, are people going to drink this same burnt orange Kool-Aid? At some point, it has to come together on the field. And until it comes together on the field, Mike, the culture is not going to be where you want it to be because you have to win in order to create a winning culture. So... At a certain point, you're going to have to see Texas take the next step as a program. You think about the last decade, ever since they went to the national championship against Alabama at the end of the 2009 season. Since then, they've only won double-digit games once. Once, yep, once in 2018, and they needed a bowl victory over Georgia in order to pull that off. So there are deep-rooted issues at the University of Texas that are not solved overnight with the addition of Arch Manning or a slew of other blue-chip commitments. All right, Parker in Crandall, Texas, where Sammy Almosigo is going to be making his decision today at 3 o'clock, so be looking forward to that. Should be some good news for Sooner fans. Uh, That's the direction it's uh, apparently heading. So we'll talk more about that a little bit later on. We're going to get right back to the text line when we get back. we got a bunch of good ones coming in. We appreciate those. 405-651-3439 on the Air Comfort Solutions text line. we got our man Connor Pasby running the show for us. Parker in Crandall, Texas. I'm here in the Brown O'Haver studio. You guys are lighting up the text line. We're going to get to as many as we can when we get back. We've got Barry Lewis, uh, covers the preps for the Tulsa World. He'll tell us about Cole Adams' decision to go to Alabama, as expected yesterday. Uh, and we'll talk a little more about what's going on with the uh, the kids in Tulsa and what's happening there, uh, obviously, with guys like Micah Tease and others. So we'll do that when we get back here on The Ref. Okay, we're back. On this Thursday, thank you, everybody, for jumping in with us. And the uh, text line is blowing up, the Air Comfort Solutions text line, 405-651-3439. We'll be filling up the Riverwind Casino hotline later. We've got Barry Lewis from the Tulsa World to talk a little uh, Cole Adams and more coming up in the next segment. And uh, then at 135, Brandon Rubar will talk about what the Thunder is going to do with this Lou Dort situation as uh, the Thunder opted not to pick up the option. Very good chance again. Now he's a restricted free agent. Very good chance though that he's still going to get a deal in Oklahoma City and we'll talk about the ramifications of that coming up a little bit later on opening day of NBA free agency okay uh who cares if we get recruits in July they are a bunch of three stars that's Kansas State level okay uh if Arch Manning's last name was Smith would he still be a five stars which as much as we hate mule shoe he knows quarterback talent and to my knowledge he never targeted Arch is that telling of his talent yeah we mentioned that yesterday that if uh, if if it was Arch Smith uh it would it, the hype wouldn't be quite what it is what do you what do you think of that tweet and uh the, the thought about mule shoe wasn't interested is that accurate yeah, that, no, that, no, that is true. Yeah. In fact, Arch's camp wanted Lincoln Riley to recruit him, and uh, Muleshoe never made the move. 
he never pursued Arch Manning. Uh, his guy was Malachi Nelson, and I think that had a lot to do with it more so than anything else just because the Sooners got Malachi Nelson committed so early. There yeah, was no need to stay in touch with anybody on the board at quarterback in the class of 2023. It was pretty early on the Mules identified Malachi Nelson as the guy for Oklahoma. They recruited him and only him and got him committed. Obviously, once Jeff Levy got to town, he sent out a couple offers. It was going to be Jackson Arnold or Jaden Rashada for the Sooners, and it ended up being Arnold, who is turning in a fantastic performance at the Elite 11, by the way. Very good chance he leaves Los Angeles with the MVP honors. So uh, that is something for Sooner fans to monitor. Final day of competition out at the Elite 11 in Los Angeles today, and it's looking like right now, it's a two-horse race between him and Dante Moore out of the state of Michigan for the Elite 11 crown. So yeah. uh, big things brewing for Jackson Arnold. He's been uh, great as far so as far. Arch is concerned, yeah, as, as far as Arch is concerned, Mike, we, I, I kind of touched on this yesterday, kind of touched on it earlier in the week, but the reality is, in general, recruiting analysts and recruiting services on the large scale are going to be very hesitant to overrank a player who plays small school competition and has never participated in any type of elite camp environment. So if Arch Manning had any other last name, odds are he would be a low four-star, high three-star type of player. And that's not necessarily an indictment of his talent level, but that is to say the recruiting analysts and the people who form the rankings – they would be very tentative about how his skills would translate to the next level if his last name wasn't Manning because you can only reliably evaluate a player against the type of talent that he faces on Friday nights unless he goes to camps or unless he plays seven-on-seven, unless he faces college-ready players in some capacity. Arch Manning hasn't done that. All Arch Manning has ever done is play against... 2A dudes in Louisiana on Friday nights. So his number one overall ranking has only to do with the fact that his last name is Manning. I am not saying that he doesn't turn out to be the most talented quarterback in this class because, look, he's a Manning. There's a chance at the end of the day that he resembles his uncles more so than he resembles Nate or Nick Montana, for instance. But... I don't know that he would be ranked nearly as high as he is right now. In fact, I know for a fact that he wouldn't be ranked nearly as high as he is if he had any other last name because there are concerns anytime you're talking about a small school player that hasn't put himself out there against players that are collegiate caliber. Arch Manning hasn't, but a lot of those concerns are getting swept under the rug because he has the name Manning on his back. No doubt at the uh, let's well let's get back to the text line uh, from the four hundred five missing the days of AD and Harris Natty's won by AD and Harris zero I miss the days of Heineke and Stefan uh, Corey Heineke and Roger Stefan who were on the two thousand national championship team yes but I would think that any coach is good you know and those guys ended up being really good players and very instrumental but I still think if you could re recruit again the coaches would take Adrian Peterson and Tommy Harris but I get what you're saying. You can still win with guys who are program guys that who aren't five stars. So I get that part of it. Yes. 
by the way, here's one. Have you guys seen the video of the Texas A&M coach talking about money from the people in the suites at their stadium uh, to the recruits who are visiting? Yes. What did, you, what did you think about that, Parker? The quote was, y'all are getting a lot of money from the people behind these suites if you decide to come play here. Yeah, yeah that was sketch, to say the least, and seems to be inconsistent with a lot of what Jimbo Fisher has proclaimed that his program mm-hmm. and his recruiting strategy is all about. Uh, by the way, Mike, we have some breaking news to address here. Okay. Because John Wilner, who is a blue check reporter from, I guess, out in Pac-12 territory, has just reported five minutes ago that USC and UCLA are planning to leave for the Big Ten as early as 2024. Really? How about that? Wow. Uh, That's out of left field. Wow. So, Muleshoe, will he run from the Big Ten? Where is he going to go now? Is he going to go group of five somewhere? I wonder if he was counting on – I wonder if he knew that was happening. I, I don't know. Maybe he did. I mean, everything was shady I, behind the scenes, so. Because, I mean, you talk about out of left field, Mike. We had no idea at this time last year that Oklahoma and Texas were preparing for a move to the SEC. I don't feel like anybody remotely saw this coming. If USC and UCLA are in the Big Ten as early as two years from now, that is completely – completely unforeseen that is nothing that anybody had any inkling of knowledge about before five minutes ago that is crazy yeah that that came down and uh very surprising maybe mule shoot did know about it i don't know um because all that stuff was happening behind the scenes as we know and uh, none of the stuff about yeah we made the decision on that sunday morning you know in two hours yeah right but uh who knows uh, the the uh, schedule will get a lot tougher for Muleshoe. There's no doubt about that. So I wonder if this somehow blindsided Muleshoe, if he'll look to be going elsewhere. Where's the, Where's an easy place for him to get uh, to the playoff, right? If this is true, maybe would he come back to the Big 12 and, uh, and coach somewhere? Uh, totally tongue-in-cheek totally tongue-in-cheek obviously because you think his next step is the nfl i do think his next step is the nfl and i think especially if he didn't realize that this was on the table which it seems like there's a very good chance that he didn't realize this was on the table because why would he go to a program that was preparing to bolt for the big 10 that just doesn't make sense if indeed he didn't know that this was in the works if it was in the works when he took the job I feel like this almost accelerates his path to the NFL. Let's hope he didn't know. Let's hope that he didn't know and got blindsided. I love it if that's the way it went down. So, yeah, report out that USC and UCLA are planning to leave for the Big Ten as early as 2024. Uh, From John Wilner, who also said, quote, the move has not been finalized at the highest level of power. So, there you go. Going to be interesting, man. Things are changing, man, in college football all the time. It's crazy. All right. We're going to talk a little uh, high school football about Cole Adams going to Alabama. Uh, we're going to talk to Barry Lewis of the Tulsa World coming up in our next segment right here on the Riverwind Casino Hotline. Uh, we appreciate all the texts. We're going to get to a lot more, I promise you, and a lot more recruiting news, some more Brent Venable stuff. Kate Horton was on the, the Plank Show today, some good stuff. Also, some on the Baker situation. Brandon Rabar talking about the Thunder and what they're doing with Lou Dort, uh, not picking up the option. He's now a restricted free agent. 
agent. We will uh, talk about all of that right here on the program. So let's take a break right here. It is a Thursday. Thanks, Tim Lasher and Lasher Home Comfort Systems. Been servicing the greater Oklahoma City metro area since 2007. You need an AC tune-up, give them a call, 405-579-3113. We'll be right back. We are back. It is a Thursday edition of Steel Man and Thune here on the Ref Radio Network, home of Sooner fans. Barry Lewis from the Tulsa World. Uh, is Barry ready to go? All right, we're going to get Barry Lewis here in just one second, talk about Cole Adams' decision yesterday. Uh, Parker, you're there where a potential Sooner is making a big decision uh, later today at 3 o'clock. Tell us all about it. That's right, Samuel Masigo, four-star linebacker out of Crandall, Texas, set to decide between Oklahoma and Florida today. The 24-7 sports crystal ball favors the Sooners here, but it will come down to those two programs. Six-foot-one, 208 pounds. This is a kid that had Power 5 offers to play both sides of the ball. Could have been a wide receiver at the next level. Uh, could have developed into a tight end, but defense is where his ceiling is the highest. That's where Brent Venables and this Sooner staff want him. So if they're able to lock down a commitment from Omasigo today, that becomes the ninth of the cycle for Oklahoma and the fifth of the month of June. So uh, starting to get past the lull, and this would set the table for what you figure would be an outstanding July on the recruiting trail for OU. All right, the news is uh, today that just broke about 10 minutes ago that USC and UCLA are planning to join uh, the Big Ten as early as 2024. We'll talk more about that here in a few minutes. But we do have Barry Lewis from the Tulsa World coming on to talk with us. Does a great job covering the preps there for the Tulsa World. And Barry, yesterday uh, Cole Adams makes his uh, announcement committing to Alabama. You've seen the Owasso Whiteout in action. Uh, what kind of player, what kind of kid uh, is Alabama getting? Uh, Alabama doesn't make many recruiting mistakes, so uh, that says that tells you a lot about uh, Cole Adams. I mean, from the first time I saw him play as a freshman, he just had to me that it factor. Um, just has a knack of making big plays, clutch plays. Uh, he's everything you want in a player. He's got all the intangibles. His dad was a head coach, uh, so he's incredibly smart. Um, and uh, he's just he's got everything that you'd want. Now, Barry, obviously this was one that came down to Alabama, Oklahoma, and Arkansas at the end of the day. Obviously, Oklahoma took quite a while to offer Cole Adams, didn't end up officially giving him his offer until the day after Ashton Cozart decommitted and went to Oregon. So is this the type of thing where, as many have reported and speculated, the Sooners really put themselves in a bind from the get-go by waiting so long to offer Adams? Uh, probably so, um, but maybe in the end it wouldn't have mattered anyway, but uh, definitely um... – I mean, you see in a lot of cases where a team that, uh, especially a, a power team that gets in there first on a on a player, uh, they, that gives them an advantage. That definitely, I think, gave Alabama a great head start. And then I think the deal was sealed during Cole's visit in early uh, earlier this month to Alabama. I think I sort of had the feeling once I heard how well that visit went. Uh, a few weeks ago that uh, he was going to be headed to Alabama. So, uh, um, you know, Alabama got everything. Uh, and they have a way of getting 
players to the pros, obviously. They've sent a ton of players to the NFL. And if you want to play in the NFL, which Cole does, I mean, what better place to go than Alabama? And, uh, you know, he had a had great talk with Nick Saban. Uh, I just think maybe no matter what OU did, maybe it wasn't going to be enough to overcome in this situation. Barry Lewis with us uh, from the Tulsa World does a great job covering uh, the high school scene there, among other sports. Uh, let's talk about Micah Tease from uh, Booker T. Washington, a highly touted uh, wide receiver. Arkansas is a factor. OU's in there. Notre Dame, A&M, uh, Muleshoe and SC are apparently in there. Tell us about Micah Tease, kind of player he is. Again, just like Cole Adams, Micah Tease is a playmaker. Um, I mean, some guys seem to have it and some guys who have just seem to be good on combines and, uh, um, and in camps. So, but Micah Tease and Cole Adams definitely have that it factor. They're just playmakers. Micah has done it on both sides of the ball, obviously. It gets more attention as a receiver, but he can also do it uh, on defense as the Hornets need him to play defense. Uh, I know he visited Notre Dame, so, you know, Texas A&M, USC, Michigan State are also, uh, he's probably going to visit. So, um, I think he's an incredible talent, and uh, he's, it's going to be interesting to see where he winds up. Uh, and I, I think it could be a really great year for Micah Tease, because Booker T, now that 60's gone to 6A1, 6A2 is wide open. So this may really be a year for Micah Tease to shine if he can lead Booker T to the state title. Now, Barry, it seems like the transfer portal is alive and well in the Tulsa High School football ranks. You had Shaker Reisig uh, slotting in with Union after a freshman season in which he helped lead Jenks. Uh, to a state title, and then you had Jackson Presley transferring in to be Jinx's new quarterback. I believe he was in California prior to that. So a lot of movement within the high school ranks, uh, a lot of shuffling of the cards, and obviously when you're talking about Reisig and you're talking about Jackson Presley, two of the up-and-coming signal callers in the 918 that have the opportunity to be very very highly regarded and highly recruited by the end of their high school careers. What do you make of how the dominoes have fallen over the last few months, and how does it impact things on the prep scene in Tulsa? Well, uh, it definitely was sort of like an earthquake in the prep scene um, because, I mean, no one saw Shaker's move uh, when it happened, but it seems like everything has sort of worked out really well for both those schools. Um, the way everything shook out with uh, Jackson Presley uh, returning from California or coming from California to his dad's alma mater. And, uh, and so it worked out well for them. And then um, you've got some other big moves where Austin Havens, who had been Owasso's primary quarterback the past two years, moved to Bixby. And then defending three state champion Holland Hall lost uh, its returning starting quarterback, Cordell Goolsby, who has moved to Bixby as well. He will be playing wide receiver and defensive back there. So, um, yes, there's a lot of stuff going on. And uh, Meggs is also uh, going to be a state title contender. And um, 2A has also um, added a quarterback. So it's, it's pretty wild. 
it's crazy what happens at the college level. It looks like it's trickling down again, but it's kind of been that way in high school. I mean, we all watch Friday Night Lights, too. We know how the, these situations happen, right, uh, back in the day. Mika Kelly, though, was a fine cheerleader. There's no doubt about that. Hey, Barry. Absolutely. Yeah, abs- yeah, no doubt. Hey, thank you, Barry, for your time. We appreciate it, and we'll talk again down the road. Appreciate you. Sounds good. Thanks. Barry Lewis, Tulsa World. And, yeah, man, Parker, you're right. The the move-ins, it's crazy. It's been going on, you know, at high school football. It's amazing. You know what I figured out in, in at sports at any level? People want to win, and they'll do uh, a lot to do what it takes to win. I mean, look at A&M. I mean, you've got the the coach telling, hey, see those suites up there? Yeah, you're going to get a lot of money, kids, from right up there. I mean, come on. Come on. All right. Uh, we're going to take a quick break, and we're headed right back to the Air Comfort Solutions text line. We shall get to as many as we can, and we'll try and get to all of them before we get out of here today. You guys are doing a great job there. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. 405 651 3439 of the Air Comfort Solutions text line. Steelman and Thune at noon here on the Ref Radio Network. Isn't uh, Billy Joe Armstrong leaving the country? Did I see that? All right. Allegedly. Yeah, whatever. We'll see. All right, ladies and gentlemen, uh, Riverwind Casino has Beats and Bites ready for you on July 9th with another show, the Randy Rogers Band. Come celebrate America again. Celebrate on the 4th. Why not the 5th, 6th, 7th, 8th, and 9th? I know we've got our issues, but we're still America, by God, right? Randy Rogers Band on July 9th, followed by an incredible fireworks display. And you can get your individual tickets for just 5 bucks. That's it, ladies and gentlemen. That is a bargain in all caps. And then on July 30th, final show of the Beats and Bites season, Scotty McCreary on July 30th. Tickets again for that show, 5 bucks for each individual ticket. All the great local food trucks will be out there, retail vendors, games for the kids. Bring your folding chairs. Enjoy that fireworks show again on July 9th after the Randy Rogers Band. And again, congratulations to uh, Riverwind, uh, named again the best casino in the metro area by the journal record at 2022 reader ranking so riverwind uh, they're they're always winning and they've got the best promotions the best dining and uh, the best you know service best entertainment it's all there at riverwind casino that's why they're simply the best Okay, uh, so again, the big news is uh, USC and UCLA, based on what we're hearing from reports, uh, the Bruins and the Trojans, that means Muleshoe is heading to the Big Ten as early as 2024. You know who's got an easy road now? Although their schedule won't be very good, Dan Lanning, right? Doesn't that doesn't this all the more clear the path for Oregon to be the unquestioned elite in the Pac-12 or what's left of the Pac-12? Yeah. I guess we're back to the Pac-10 at that point, Mike. And Utah is is would be a factor, obviously, because Kyle Whittingham has done a great job there with that program. But uh, you know, yeah, I, I think Dan Lanning's going to do a good job at Oregon. But this is what we've been also talking about: that eventually you would have about sixty-five teams or so in one super group, basically. Uh, because if you're if you're uh, right now, you're Oregon, you know, you may think, wow, OK, our main competition, you know, USC was going to be, you know, uh, 
that was going to be the rivalry, it looked like, down the road. And I'm not trying to dispute or uh, downplay what Utah has done because, again, Whittingham's done a great job. But that was eventually going to be the big rivalry there. But Oregon, uh, would you see Oregon trying to land somewhere else? Who knows what's going to happen, right? Uh, Mike, here's, here's the wild thing to me. Here's the wild thing to consider. Think about how long of a trip that is for USC and UCLA to go play a road game at, like, Penn State or Rutgers. I mean, you literally cannot travel farther in the contiguous United States. Uh, it's so weird, yeah. There's just no, like, regard to geography in conference alignment has just gone completely out the window. It's, it's almost like you throw it out, right, except for the pre-existing conferences that have expanded. I mean, Texas and Oklahoma, they make a little bit of sense. But, yeah, USC and uh, UCLA and the Big Ten, you know, I guess they're the AAU universities or whatever, and I know the Big Ten's big on that. But uh, what about this from uh, the 913? The Big 12 and the Pac-12 will merge. What do you think there? I see. I I think that's a very good point. I think that's a very compelling point. At that point, why not? Because if you're the Big Twelve and you're the Pac twelve, you really have no choice but to do something like that in order to try and keep up. It makes me wonder what happens to the ACC as well, because all of a sudden, Mike, you have the Big Ten and you have the SEC building super conferences. And you're going to have to find a way to compete both from a financial standpoint and from a competitive standpoint. There had already been rumblings that you'd see something resembling a Pac-12, Big 12 merger at some point along the line, right? You think about the fact that Oklahoma very nearly ended up in the Pac-10 a little over a decade ago when the Big 12's future was very much in question. So I don't think we're far off from that point, and I think – the direction that we are headed in college football could ultimately yield three or four power conferences from the five that we have right now. There's going to be some condensing. How about Muleshoe getting a super rooster, by the way, out there? Big noon kickoff, 9 a.m. Be there at the Coliseum. That could happen. That very well could happen. Uh, 405 says uh, the door is open for the Big 12 to get Utah, Arizona, and Arizona State. Yeah, I think that's that's a possibility. Uh, makes sense. So, I, I don't know. Yeah, we talked about that, 405. If USC and UCLA both go to the Big 10, does Muleshoe try and get a job back in the Big 12 like TCU or Texas Tech? Uh, I don't – you know – Sonny Dykes is there, and uh, Joey uh, – what's the guy's name? Joey um, – I'm drawing a blank on text, Coach. Jiminy Christmas. Joey McGuire. Joey McGuire. Yeah, I was wanting to say Joey Meyer, and that was Ray Meyer's son who coached at DePaul. Joey McGuire. Yeah, he's. I think he's uh, pretty well thought of there. Uh, he might end up doing a good job. I know the Texas high school coaches love him, so uh, be interesting to see what happens there. All right, a uh, Pac-12, Big 12 merger would be 24 teams. Seems like that would be unmanageable. Yeah, it would be – they would have to trim. Some teams would be left behind. I don't know how you do that. I mean, it's – like I said, it's crazy. Muleshoe's going to be contacting some CFL teams this weekend. Wouldn't it be great? Now, look, here's the deal. Muleshoe's got his mansion there by the ocean now. Uh, which was, you know, paved by the University of Oklahoma, you know. But 
He's he's still got a good situation there, and I don't know. I, I'm with Parker. I think he's on the right track, thinking that if he leaves USC, it would be for an NFL job. So we'll see. Yes, 22 teams after OU and Texas leave. It's going to be very interesting to see how that plays out. But, man, like I said, you just think it makes no sense to have, you know, a road trip, particularly, uh, you know, USC going to play Penn State in a big noon kickoff. But it, it looks like it's going to be happening. All right, uh, ladies and gentlemen, want to thank our friend Tim Lasher and his company, Lasher Home Comfort Systems. If you need some AC work done, and now's the time that you're probably going to need some AC work done, or at least uh, get that tune-up done if you haven't already, give his company, Lasher Home Comfort Systems, a call, 405-579-3113. That's 405-579-3113. And he'll do a great job for you. He's been over to our place, done work for us before, and they've done a great job, very professional. All right, we've got another hour to go next hour. A lot more on the text line, more from Brent Venables, more on uh, what's happening today recruiting-wise. Big decision today for the Sooners, it looks like, at 3 o'clock today. More on that when we get back. Keep it here on The Ref. It is hour number two. Welcome in. Thank you to our friends at the Seth Wadley Auto Group for bringing you uh, hour number two here on Steelman and Thune, the home of Sooner fans, the Ref Radio Network. On a Thursday, and uh, again, you're looking for a car, truck, SUV, great selection, new or used. They're always getting those vehicles in. A lot of uh, dealerships are having problems with that now, not at the Seth Wadley Auto Group. Car, truck, or SUV, great selection and a great guarantee after the sale. Oil changes, engines for life on new or used gas or diesel at no additional cost to you. Everybody seems to be hoping that uh, Muleshoe was blinded by this decision that uh, USC and UCLA are apparently on their way to the Big Ten as early as 2024. What do you think the percentage chance is that Muleshoe knew about this in his clandestine, behind-the-scenes, evil conversations with Trace Armstrong when he was giving uh, his... Final year at OU, about 75% of his effort and attention. Do you think that he knew this was going to happen, or would you go on the other side that he was probably a little bit surprised by it? I think there's a very good chance he knew it was going to happen, but I'd like to believe, Mike, that he got the rug swept out from under him again. and fell. That that would—wouldn't that just be poetic justice to the nth degree? It would be, and a lot of people are hoping that's the case. Think about, and again, there was a report out today that both Southern Cal and UCLA are going to be leaving the Pac-12 and going to the Big Ten, and that could happen as early as 2024. You know, this is the world we live in, Parker, right now, where we're thinking, man, there's no way Oklahoma's going to be, you know, in the SEC. They'll play, you know, 2023 season. They'll be playing. Well, you know, signs are pointing to maybe Oklahoma having to play out uh, the string and go to 2025. We don't know yet. But how about if – USC and UCLA are playing in the Big Ten before the Sooners and the Horns are playing in the SEC. That's something we thought, again, yeah, that's that's probably not going to happen. It's completely wild, Mike, that this is what college football has come to. College football in 2025 is not going to remotely resemble the college football that we knew 20 years prior or even 10 years prior. Because, again, I think the biggest thing for me is that geography has gone out the window 
when it comes to conference alignment. When you have USC and UCLA in the same conference as Rutgers and Maryland, how much sense does that make from a geographic standpoint? Absolutely none. So I, it has become clear that money is king in college football. And you even saw it in the tweet from Pete Thamel, who followed up to confirm John Wilner's original report and said part of the reason for this move, or at least this exploration of a move from the administration at USC and UCLA has to do with the projected revenue that the Big Ten is going to bring in versus the projected revenue that the Pac-12 is going to bring in. So what you're essentially witnessing is not necessarily a bidding war, per se, but every school seems to be looking out for its own bottom line more so than anything else, and where there's an opportunity to make more money, that's where they're going to go. Yeah, I got to tell you, again, maybe it's because I'm old now. I'm approaching 60, and I've become more of a slippery slope guy than ever. But I'm worried about college football, man. Anytime, you know, there's this much greed involved, and not like there hasn't been big money involved in college football. When we talk about, you know, the, the, the way rosters change with the transfer portal, and look, I want freedom for players to go where they want to go. I get that. I want NIL money, but I don't want it as inducement. Like the dude from Texas A&M in that video basically saying, look up there at the suites, man. You guys are going to get a lot of dollars if you come here. That's inducement. Um, and so I'm worried about that. And we don't have any real uh, solid uniform rules and regulation when it comes to NIL. I'm all for helping out kids and their families. A lot of these kids come from uh, you know, backgrounds where they don't have a lot of money. And this helps a lot of those families. It's a great deal that can change their lives. But again, I, I just think it's such a wild west situation out there that I worry about it. And look, we have seen that money trumps rivalry. We have now seen that money trumps geography. Let's just hope that money doesn't destroy uh, the sport that I love most, and I know the NFL, you know, around the country is king, but college football has got to be second, and people love their college football, and they are rabid about it. Uh, so let's hope, you know, we we don't look ten years down the road and go, gee, man, what were we thinking? This is this is not what I wanted, not what we were expecting. But we just don't know. You know, it's kind of a grand experiment we're seeing play out right before our eyes, and we're just in the early stages of it, Parker. I mean, that's that's the weird thing about it. Oh, Mike, what what a wild day this is in college football. What, what a wild year it's been in college football. A year ago, we were prepping for Big 12 media days. We had no idea at that point that Oklahoma and Texas were going to the SEC ever, let alone soon. And now a year later, here we are, and this report has come from out of nowhere today. And once again, it's rocked college football top to bottom. And gosh, this is going to take some getting used to. This is really going to take some getting used to. Obviously, this appears to be in the preliminary stages. It's far from a done deal that USC and UCLA do end up in the Big Ten. But let's call a spade a spade here. When money is the motive the people with the power find a way to get it done. So I expect that this is going to happen. I expect that USC and UCLA are going to be playing in the Big Ten. And by all accounts, it sounds like this is something that's going to go down pretty expediently. Yeah, it does sound like that. Uh, USC and Rutgers in the same conference makes about as much geographical sense as BYU and UCF in the same conference. Yes, 
Uh, Colorado ends up rejoining the Big 12. Things are really coming full circle from the 913 on the Air Comfort Solutions text line. Uh, man, it is crazy. You know, it has been, uh, you know, it was about, uh, it was about this time. It was a little bit later in the summer when we got the news about Oklahoma and Texas. But think about this for Muleshoe. And again, I hope it, any situation blows up in his face. Of course, I'm just that petty and shallow. But uh, USC, the, the Notre Dame game's not going away anytime soon, right? I, don't they have like a 20-year deal with uh, that they just re-upped with uh, Notre Dame? They've always had that rivalry game. And, yeah, exactly. Uh, That's one of those non-conference yeah. rivalries yeah. that will be played. It's been played ever since I've been alive. Now, Notre Dame's rivalry, which one went away? Was it the Michigan rivalry for a couple years? Uh, uh, you know, because Notre Dame had, you know, every year they've got – Notre Dame has so many rivals, it's it's ridiculous. But um, it, it'll be interesting to see if, like, Muleshoe has to play Ohio State or Michigan every year or – you know, Wisconsin, what that schedule will look like, because that schedule is certainly getting a lot more difficult. And this also shows me that we have got to get eventually to a 12-team playoff. I know we're talking about going with the same setup for a while, but the pressure to expand the playoff is going to be greater and greater. Because these schedules, uh, you know, it's not like that 84 BYU team where you play basically two games that meant something and you can win a national championship and those were of course the mythical national championships as they were called back in the day decided by the AP or the, and the UPI but um, I don't know it's going to be very interesting to see and, and there you know somebody pointed out in the Air Comfort Solutions text line yes it makes for better uh, matchups there's no doubt when you look at you know Ohio State playing at SC or SC going to the horseshoe or going to the big house or vice versa it makes for better matchups but um, it's it's going to be interesting and what what is going to happen with the Rose Bowl now right because for long the, you talk about a group of old people it's the people who run the Rose Bowl and it's always they would completely flip out if you didn't didn't have a uh, the year that Oklahoma got in and played Washington State, it was like blasphemy or sacrilege that somebody outside of the Big Ten and uh, the Pac-12, you know, was in the Rose Bowl. So, times are a-changing. Yeah, hold up, Mike. Forgive my ignorance here, but you're older and probably smarter than I. How did Oklahoma end up in the Rose Bowl that year? What circumstances led to that happening? I believe that was like the BCS determined the matchups uh, that year uh, would be my guess. I can't exactly remember, but I just remember that there were some people upset that, you know, wow, Oklahoma's in the Rose Bowl. What's going on here? You know, uh, somebody might be able to help me out of the text line and Google that up, but I think it was determined by the uh, the BCS uh, rankings or something strange happened. Or maybe one of the teams uh, was involved in uh, going to the championship game that year that won the I, – I can't remember, to be honest with you. It's old man short – that's kind of short-term memory, even though it was – it's more than a decade ago, but yes, OU. Against, it's almost two decades what, ago at yeah, this point. Is Mike. it, man? Is it that long ago? Wow, that is crazy. Oregon fans are speculating. This is from the five four one. Where is the five four one? 
Oregon fans are speculating about no the, earthly idea. I have no idea either. Connor can uh, go ahead and Google it up for us. Oregon fans are speculating about the Ducks maybe going independent. If this happens, other conferences would kill uh, travel budgets, uh, but the rest of the Pac-12 is Power Five challenged. So, yeah, it's it's crazy. What you did you find anything on the five four one? Yeah, it's uh, Oregon. It is Oregon. Well, okay, uh, we got a sooner or we got a listener in Oregon. Uh, I don't know if it's Eugene, Oregon, or where it is. Maybe it's Portland. Who knows? But might be uh, might be Doc up in Coos Bay. May, yeah, that's right, Coos Bay. We had the dude from Coos Bay. So, you know, Oregon though, with I, I could see. Can you be an independent these days? I mean, I, Notre Dame has been, but obviously in the other sports, they've gone to the ACC. Uh, so, to me. Oregon, you know, Phil Knight's getting up in age, but Nike's still going to be making a lot of money for the foreseeable future. So, I mean, Oregon might be able to afford that. I don't know. But um, that's what I'm thinking, 580. Wasn't it because uh, USC and Texas played for the uh, national championship that year? I think that was the deal, yes. I believe that was the deal, but I can't say for certain. But I know there were some people – out there that I heard even from a few OU fans, like, yeah, they kind of welcomed us, but they were kind of like, eh, what are you doing here, really, in Pasadena? All right, and the Sooners won that game. I believe wasn't uh, Mike Price, the coach at Washington State at that time, before he went off to uh, Bama and uh, had to leave in infamy? I think I think that's correct. I'd have to go ahead and Google that up, too. Man, I need to get to Google quickly. All right. Uh, we have Brandon Rabar on the way coming up here in about 20 minutes. We'll find out what the Thunder's doing with Lou Dort. We know they're not picking up his option, but it still looks like Lou Dort is in the plans for Oklahoma City, but he is a restricted free agent. So how will that work? We'll talk to Brandon about that. We'll hear more from Brent Venables when we get back, and Parker's going to tell us where he is and who the Sooners may be getting today at 3 o'clock. That's coming up next here on The Ref. All right, we are back here on a Thursday edition of Steelman and Thune at noon. Uh, from uh, Twitter, I get this. Steelman, I am excited about Dylan Gabriel, but not totally sold. First of all, I don't like the helmet and the face mask setup. Secondly, I know everybody's talking about 70 touchdowns, but it was in a weaker conference. Well, instead of having some sap like me answer that question, let's see what Brent Venables had to say the other day about Dylan Gabriel on a uh, national podcast. And here is what Brent said about the Sooners' new QB. There you go, Brent Venables uh, talking about Dylan Gabriel. All right, Parker is in Crandall, Texas, where there could be some big news today at 3 o'clock for the Oklahoma Sooners, Parker. And, uh, man, the the way the text line's been blowing up, people worried about recruiting, I'm hoping this one goes in OU's direction. Tell everybody what's happening. Yeah, that's right. So I'm down here in Crandall at Crandall High School, where circa 3 p.m. this afternoon, four-star linebacker Sammy Omasigo is going to be deciding between Oklahoma and Florida. He is the number 412 player in the nation per the 24-7 sports composite. And in talking to people around the recruiting industry, there is a belief that Sammy Omasigo is going to rise and rise quickly, both on the recruiting trail and once he matriculates at his university of choice, which obviously both Sooners and Gators fans are hoping are hoping is at their institution. But uh, Omasigo, uh, as I mentioned earlier in the show, is a guy that had Power Five offers to play both sides of the ball. Uh, is a tremendous wide receiver, is a tremendous offensive talent, but 
His ceiling is highest on defense, particularly at linebacker. Got a ton of versatility, moves very well for a kid his size, 6'1", 208 pounds. And he's the type of guy that is so athletic, so hardworking, so nose to the grindstone that once he gets to the collegiate level, it may not take him long to break into the rotation and to make his mark. And uh, for Oklahoma, this is a recruitment that they've ostensibly been in the driver's seat with uh, for some time. They hosted Omasego for his first unofficial visit on March 5th. And that visit went swimmingly to the point where Omasigo's parents, uh, per what he told me uh, at that time, they were already sold on Oklahoma being the spot. Uh, nonetheless, he continued to look around, visited SMU, visited TCU, uh, flirted with Stanford, with Oklahoma State, Texas Tech, a few other programs. But it soon became evident that it was going to be OU or it was going to be Florida. Those were the only two official visits that he took uh, went to Oklahoma for his official on June 3rd and went to Florida for his official down there on June 20th. So those are the two programs that will have hats on the table here in Crandall at 3 as we await the decision from Samuel Masigo. Sounds good. So uh, hopefully that will be some good news for Sooner fans. All right, let's get to a couple uh, answers. Doug and Norman has done the research and has the answer. We were talking about how Oklahoma and Washington State ended up in that Rose Bowl matchup. It was 2003, by the way, Doug points out. Uh, we were thinking maybe it was 2005. My, you know, if you ask me 70s, 80s, maybe early 90s, I'll, I'll get the years, but it, it gets a little more difficult. But I figured it was a BCS deal at that time. Doug says the 2003 Rose Bowl against Washington State was a product of the BCS. The BCS was discontinued in 2014, and the most recent Oklahoma Rose Bowl against Georgia was a product of the uh, college football playoff system. Yes, sure, I know that, but it, uh, you also gave us the answer again, which we were thinking was correct, was it was all to do with the BCS. There's another one there that talks about how it got set up, which is right under Doug's. OU in the 2003 Rose Bowl. What happened? Ohio State won the Big Ten Championship, played Miami in the Fiesta Bowl, which was the national championship game that year. Normally, uh, normally then the Big 12 was in the Fiesta Bowl back then. The Orange Bowl had the next pick. That's right, it was picks. And the Orange Bowl picked USC. I wonder if that was the year that USC played like Iowa or something. I'm trying to remember. Uh, maybe was that all the way back to Carson Palmer back in the day? The Rose Bowl took Washington State as the number two. That would have been team. Carson Palmer's yeah. senior year. Yeah, you're and exactly right. The Orange took Iowa, so yes, that is that's how OU ended up in Pasadena. There's the research we're looking for. Doug, thank you. Four zero five seven four zero. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you very much. Anthony Hill to Texas just came in. Are you hearing anything no way. on that? I I haven't seen anything on is Twitter. Is that official? I don't know. That's just uh, Anthony Hill, the Texas not. question is, mark. Ooh, that's that's wild. If that because he just released his final two yesterday. It's Texas and it's Texas A and M. So uh, I haven't seen anything either. I don't think that's. I think that's just someone speculating. That yeah, that's I, I think where that, he's going to end up for now. Yeah. So. Uh, I think that's just basically, yeah, is Anthony Hill going to Texas, kind of, uh, from the 5.86. So, um, man, but the big news again today, USC and UCLA are leaving. Well, the way that Heather Denich put it, are considering leaving the conference for the Big Ten as early as 2024, a source confirmed to ESPN. 
Uh, there is still a formal notification process as the two schools have to let the Pac-12 know their intentions to leave. USC and UCLA also have to formally apply to the Big Ten, according to a source. That process is underway. The San Jose Mercury News first reported the news. So uh, it's pretty apparent that uh, they are going to try and, and uh, make that move. So, like I said, college football, man. Uh, who knows what it's going to look like when we finally get to 2025. Are you of the opinion still that OU is going to get to the SEC before the Grant of Rights deal, uh, that it'll happen before 2025? Yeah, I do. I, I Shoot, I think it'll happen next season. I think 2023, I, I still believe 2023 is going to be OU's first year in the SEC. Yeah, I, I, I kind of have the same feeling, but people are wondering, okay, well, how are they paying the exit fees, all of that? I, look, I don't know, um, but I, I just can't see it stretching out to the end of the grant of rights, but we'll see. All right, Doug and Norman, a question for Parker. What is a hard commit? 247 Sports lists many prospects as hard commits while others are listed as 100% and list the schools they're interested in. What's the difference? Between a I'm, hard I'm, commit, I'm sorry. Re, re. he says, Doug wants to know, what is a hard commit? 247 lists many prospects as hard commits, while others are listed as 100% and list the schools they are interested in. What's the difference? Okay, so the 100% that you're seeing is usually the 24-7 sports crystal ball. So, for instance, right now, if you head to Samuel Masigo's profile page on 24-7 sports, he is still uncommitted in all technicality, but the 24-7 sports crystal ball favors Oklahoma unanimously. That 100% is an indication that 100% of experts that have entered a prediction in Samuel Masigo's recruitment have entered it in favor of Oklahoma. So that is for a recruit that is not yet committed. A hard commit is a kid that has announced his intentions to go play football at a particular school. So, for instance, if you go to Caleb Hicks's recruitment page on 24-7 Sports, he is a hard commit for the Oklahoma Sooners. And you'll still see those predictions. You'll still see the 24-7 Sports crystal ball, those predictions that were entered before he committed. But uh, he is listed as a hard commit because he has publicly announced, I'm playing football at Oklahoma. There you go. There's your answer, Doug. All right, uh, 405-651-3439 on the Air Comfort Solutions text line, 405-651-3439. Riverwind Casino, ladies and gentlemen, it's the entertainment capital of the metro area because they always have incredible promotions, incredible events, great dining, great service, world-class hotel, just named by the readers of the journal record again, the best casino in the Oklahoma City metro area. And one of the reasons why great events like Beats and Bites and the Beats and Bites Festival is back for the six year strong. Beats and Bites is a great place to get outdoors, enjoy some great music, uh, local food trucks. You've got retail vendors out there. You can bring your folding chairs. There are activities for the kids. All kinds of stuff for you to do. Plus, be entertained by some great music like July 9th, the Randy Rogers Band on the Beats and Bites stage, followed by the incredible Riverwind fireworks display. So you can celebrate America twice on the 4th and then on the 9th with the metro area's best fireworks show and great tunes from the Randy Rogers Band. So get your tickets online right now at Riverwind.com. That's at Riverwind.com. They're only 5 bucks a piece. And then there's one more show to wrap up, Beats and Bites 2020. 
2022. Scotty McCreary will be on the Beats and Bites stage on July 30th. And again, tickets only five bucks. Another reason why Riverwind is simply the best. And number one in the general record readers poll again. They're like they're they're like the OU softball team. They just win the championship every year. That's what they do. All right, we'll break right here. And when we get back, uh, we'll talk a little Thunder basketball for a minute, then return right back to Sooner football and the text line. Brandon Rabar, what's going on with this Lou Dort situation? He'll break it down for you. The Thunder didn't pick up his option. Doesn't mean he's not going to be back with the Thunder. There's a very good chance of that. Brandon will explain. We'll get to that when we get back here on the ref. Okay, we're back. Do the Thunder still want Lou Dort? I think they do. I think they absolutely do. But it was uh, a little bit weird if you're uh, not, you know, super familiar with the uh, salary cap and, you know, free agency, you know, restricted free agency, which uh, Lou Dort's involved in right now. The Thunder didn't pick up his option. But that doesn't mean he's not going to be back in Oklahoma City. In fact, it means that he's likely to be back in Oklahoma City on a better deal and in part of the long-term future uh, for OKC. Let's bring in uh, Brandon Rabar, our man, our friend, our great insider from DailyThunder.com. So explain to people what happened with Lou Dort yesterday, who might be a little bit confused, and what you believe is going to happen with Lou Dort now with OKC. Yeah, Mike, it's, it is kind of confusing because – we were told a few days ago at the Sam Presti presser that they were probably going to exercise the option on Lou Dort, that they were probably going to pick it up, which sounds good and encouraging that Lou Dort will stick around, but that actually just means that he would play out this year and then he'd be an unrestricted free agent. Then we found out yesterday uh, that they were going to decline his option, which sounds like a negative thing for Lou Dort's future in OKC, but it's actually a good thing because it makes him a restricted free agent. And now, uh, later on today, once the 5 p.m. hits and, and free agency starts and the calendar goes into the new year, uh, the new NBA season, they can actually work on a new long-term agreement to keep Lou Dort in Oklahoma City by making him a re- restricted free agent. So I think that's going to happen. I think that uh, OKC and Lou must have some sort of handshake deal um, that they've agreed upon that will keep Lou and OKC. I mean, possibly could it be traded down the road? Sure, possibly. It's possible. But I do think that this is uh, good in terms of Dort's future in OKC. What do you think the financial commitment's going to look like, Brandon? Based on Dort's performance over the first couple of years of his NBA career, what type of money do you think he's going to command? Yeah, it's such a good question. It's, it's hard to know because, you know, he was considered a first, an undrafted defensive specialist, but his offense has improved every year. He averaged over 17 points per game last year. Now his usage was higher uh, because there wasn't a whole lot of talent on the team besides Lou and SGA and Josh Giddy, and there were lots of guys hurt. Um, but his efficiency has improved every year. He's, he's improved his three-point shooting. He's about a 33, 34% three-point shooter. Not bad. Um, so he's an offensive threat. Long story short, I think you can look at maybe something around the range of four years, $60 million, anywhere from there to four years, $75 million, you know, maybe 15 to 18 a year would be my guess. 
Okay, Brandon, we wanted to bring you on just to really explain that today because a lot of people had questions about it, and uh, I knew that you could explain it well and talk about what's going on with Oklahoma City. So, yes, I think that Lou Dort, clearly a defensive stopper. As you said, his his offensive game has gotten better, and it looks like they want him around for a while uh, with this young core they're also bringing in. All right, so next year, before we let you go, uh, how much tanking will be involved? Oklahoma City's got some pieces now, and there it's a young, exciting-looking roster that you, you get the feeling, again, maybe Shea, Holmgren, and Giddy could be the next big three for, for Oklahoma City. But there's also that guy that everybody's raving about in the next draft, Victor Wimanyama, uh, who, again, is would have been the number one pick in this draft. Uh, you know, had he, had he been uh, available. But everybody is thinking that he is even a better prospect, you know, the best one we've seen in a long time, maybe since LeBron. So uh, what do you think about Oklahoma City in that situation? Because everybody wants that kid. Yeah, it's a, such a good question, and, and it's such a fine line. Because like you said, you know, SGA is already an all-star level talent. They add Chet Hungren, the number two overall pick, who I think is going to make an immediate impact. Josh Giddy was so good as a rookie, and now he's coming in into his second year. You figure there's going to be a leap there. And then it looks like they're going to lock in Lou Dort, who's a really nice piece as well, when he's kind of your fourth best player besides these big three. And then they have some potential high upside role players now, and, and Jalen Williams, J-Dub. Uh, you know, Trey Mann looked really good last year. You still got Kenrich Williams. So I, the, I think the Thunder can't be that bad. Plus, I think that Sam Presti will just kind of let it ride out. And if they're winning games, he'll let them win games. I don't think we'll see a deal where, where guys get shut down unless it's, you know, towards the end of the season and they're out of the playing territory. Let's say there's, there's 20, 30 games left and it doesn't look like there's a chance they get in the play, and then maybe you see resting guys. Maybe they alternate, you know, rest Giddy one game, SGA one game, Chet a game. You know, because, like you said, Wimbanyana is a really, really hyped prospect. Like you said, maybe the, the hype hasn't been seen since LeBron, and if you were to get a chance at a guy like that uh, to go next to SGA, Giddy, Dorton, Holmgren. I mean, you could have something really, really special. But, Mike, the, the thing is, even if you're the worst team in the NBA, you still only have a 14% chance. True. So how much does Sam, mm-hmm. Sam Presti weigh that 14% chance lottery ticket versus, you know, shutting the team down and uh, you know for the third season? We'll, we'll see. I don't know. It's kind of a final. I think that Presti will stay true to his word and see how the season plays out and go from there. I do, too, and you're right. It's mainly because, again, there's no guarantee. Like you said, 14% chance. And, look, I, I, they've lost some fans because of this. They, you know, they're calling up people, wanting them to come back. And uh, you, you still have to have uh, fan support as well, and I think that will enter into it as well. And if you get uh, Women Yama, that would be a great situation. But, you know, you, you need some luck. And he still, if he really wanted to move up, you still have a ton of draft picks to do that as well if you really wanted to. But. I don't right. know that anybody right. would, would go for that because they really like yeah. this kid. Hey, Brandon, thank you for just coming on and explaining the situation to everybody. And uh, we probably won't be talking to you again for a while, but if something comes up, you're going to get a call. Yeah, I'm ready, man. Thanks for having me on again. And uh, I think it's a good thing for Thunder fans to have Lou Dort locked in. It's, it's really nice. Uh, I think it's a win for OKC. So thanks for having me on again, guys. All right, Brandon, thank you. Brandon Rabar, DailyThunder.com, joining us on the Riverwind Casino Hotline. Uh, okay. Oh, Mike. 
Oh, Mike. Uh-oh. What are you Twitter is blowing up with this USC-UCLA news. Here's a couple tweets that are right at the top of my timeline right now. So Pete Thamel tweets, spoke to a few sources who called USC and UCLA's move to the Big Ten a formality with a press conference expected in the next 24 hours. Perhaps as soon as tonight, this is essentially done. Heather Dinich of ESPN.com tweeted, talk to a source in the Pac-12 who just told me, this is Bob Bowlesby all over again. We just got Schoonard and Horn. Oh, yes. I love it. Mule shoe, please. Oh, come on. The Alliance The alliance is dead, Mike. The Alliance was kind of a joke from the get-go. But oh, man. Wasn't the whole thing, wasn't the agreement between the ACC, Big Ten, and the Pac-12, like, okay, we're going to hold tight, we're in this together, mm-hmm. we're yep. not going to steal each other's members? Uh, yeah, and I, I just hope that Muleshoe showed up, uh, Lincoln, uh, who's the AD out there, the dude with the super tan, I can't remember the guy's name, but uh, we need to see you in the office, and uh, look, I, I know that you were really excited about this easier path that you were going to have to the playoff, uh, you know, because you apparently don't like uh, to face really hard competition, and I know we sold you on that, that, uh, you know, the Pac-12, we've got, you know, like Oregon, UCLA's okay, Oregon... Uh, you know, uh, Utah's pretty good. But, man, you've got a great path here, Lincoln, to come join. But we've decided we're going to the Big Ten. So, by the way, you'll be playing Ohio State in uh, the horseshoe coming up here in a couple of years, so get ready. Please, please have that be the reality that happened. What would, what would the final score of the game between USC and Ohio State be? Uh, this year? Um, you know, I would say Ohio State 45, USC 21, 24, maybe something like that. Maybe maybe a little worse. There might not be a defensive stop all game. It might be 84-77. I would love that. And I don't care if Mike Lupica got upset about it, just like he did for OU Texas A&M. I say run it up on Mule Shoe whenever you can. Please, anybody, anywhere, do whatever. I don't care, man. You can you can do the throat slash sign in the end zone against them. You can grab your crotch like Six did for OU. As long as it happens against USC, it's permitted, in my opinion, because I'm just that shallow. All right, we'll break right here. We've got one more segment to go. We'll check in more with Parker and uh, awaiting the decision from uh, Sammy Amasigo coming up at 3 o'clock today. Guess who's right there? Parker Thune's right there. He is right there. And uh, it appears to be, according to the experts, a situation where he'll wear a Sooner hat a little after three. Stay with us. We'll be right back. As uh, Slim Pickens said uh, in Blazing Saddles back in the day, what in the wide, wide world of sports is going on here? Kevin Durant has now requested a trade from the Brooklyn Nets. Man, it's crazy. This is crazy. It is a crazy Thursday. USC and Muleshoe and UCLA are headed to the Big Ten. And now Kevin Durant's breakup with Kyrie Irving. Remember when they got together at the All-Star game? You could tell they were scheming. They were scheming. Guess what? Kyrie didn't want to play that much. Uh, And Kevin Durant now is requesting a trade from the Brooklyn Nets. 
KD to OKC. Didn't, didn't Kyrie? Didn't Kyrie opt in with Brooklyn like he did, two days yeah. ago he because did, yes. he quote unquote wanted to fulfill his four year commitment to Brooklyn and to KD? Yeah. And now KD's ditching. Sound familiar? Would you take Kevin Durant back in Oklahoma City, or is that uh, what about? I'm hearing reunited peaches and herb, and it feels so good. Doubtful, very doubtful. What a day, Parker! What a crazy day, huh? And it all happened within the within the last hour or so. I mean, all of this stuff, you know. And thank you because um, we are in the. Um, summer doldrums so to speak where uh you know it things slow down a little bit but you know you you're always hoping for like uh you know like somebody sends a pick or something like brett Favre did one year or somebody you know does something really stupid or like oh you in texas jump to the sec or usc and ucla jump to the uh, big 10 and it, it happens when you least expect it and today's been one of those days been crazy Unbelievable, Mike. That, to have two stories of this magnitude break within an hour of each other truly makes this a landmark day on the sports calendar in the year 2022 because Kevin Durant's apparently on the market again, and USC and UCLA are joining the Big Ten. Like Mike, you know, I, what we, hey Parker, you know what I'm wrong here. You know, you know what we mean. Real quick, and I'll let you finish that thought. But I was just thinking of what the trifecta could be if we could get the trifecta today of stories. You know, first of all, as you mentioned, USC UCLA going to the Big Ten earliest 2024. That's number one. Kevin Durant requests a trade from the Brooklyn Nets. Number three, Deshaun Watson suspended. Baker back to the Browns as starting quarterback. Can no way. Happen? Can that happen? No way. Can that happen by like 5 no. o'clock? Uh, probably oh, man. not. But that, that would I be the trifecta. I just don't see any viable way. Is there another I, I just, trifecta there's, there's story no that we're missing? Okay, what's what's on the precipice of happening has been rumored could happen, but hasn't broken yet. Something bombshell, but also reasonably plausible. What would be? What would make this the trifecta? Wow. I don't know. Help us out, text line. You get a couple minutes. 405-651-3439. Arch Manning flips to Georgia. Ah, there you go. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, that would be big. But this has been a crazy day. There's no doubt about it. Lot to talk about, though. And uh, Tyler McComas, he does a great job stacking his show every day. The guy's a workhorse. But uh, his day just got a little easier, too, with all this stuff. And you wonder what's going to happen with some of these conferences because we've talked for a long time that it would be – and always I had heard, you know, there are going to be like 60 teams and uh, four super conferences, but it's basically going to be one super conference. But the number you would be looking at would be 64, I think, to make all things equal. And then you would have four 16-team conferences, how they would come together. What's going to happen with – there's some teams out there that are on a link into the XFL. (laughs) Uh, what about like Clemson, FSU, Miami, and Oregon? They're they're kind of out there on a on a uh, like the polar bears on one of those cracky crackling uh, you know sheets of ice a little bit. And look, some they're they're too good of programs not to be somewhere, but something's got to happen. Anybody else I'm leaving out besides those schools? No, and that are kind of everybody in, maybe in Florida limbo? State. 
everybody at Florida State and Miami is all about the money. So Lord knows if there's an opportunity for them to jump on board with the SEC or the Big Ten, that'll probably happen. Oregon is in, well, now they're at a point where they're kind of a geographical outlier um, with regard to the rest of the conferences and or forming super conferences. But they also have a lot more money at their disposal. They aren't hurting for income because they got Nike right down the road. So Oregon's kind of in their little safe bubble. And I feel like Clemson is much the same way. So I don't question that this is going to kick off another round of very consequential realignment dominoes falling. I just don't know what they're going to look like. And I don't think any of us are prepared for what they're going to look like. Who would have imagined that USC and UCLA – would kick this off for the second summer in the row in a row by announcing that they're moving to the Big Ten of all places. I just hope that Mule Shoe was completely blindsided by this, like he was maybe by the SEC move, because again he ran like Chicken Little from the Southeastern Conference. Can he run from the Big Ten? We'll find out. I don't think he's going to run away from that house and that money, though. So, all right, uh, we are out of time. Our thanks to the Seth Wadley Auto Group in Paul's Valley. Exit 72, great selection, cars, trucks, SUVs, you name it, they have them. They'll give you a great deal, great service after the sale. And, again, oil changes, engines for life on newer used gas or diesel at no additional cost to you. All right, Parker, Tyler McComas, we'll get you locked in next here on The Ref. Have a great Thursday.